Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It is time for the Monday after Ohio State 20, Penn State 12. Uh, top 10 showdown number two in the books for Ohio State. And <laughs> Tim May, the 40-year vet, is here to break it down. So is Andy Backstrom, and so am I, Spencer Holbrook. Tim, yeah. uh, I'm going to limit you again. You know how this goes. Yeah, one, no. one big opening thought All after right. the rewatch of Ohio right. State 20, Penn State 12. Number three, Ohio State 20. Number seven, Penn State 12. All right, but I'm combining it with uh, what, I, what I've now been hearing from, oh, Penn State wasn't that good. We'll get into all that, so you don't have to combine that. Well, that's part of it. I mean, you know, it's, it's a classic. Uh, it's a classic refrain uh, that's gone on ever since I've covered Ohio State football is when Ohio State has a pretty – damn good win, puts a W on the board. All that mattered Saturday was the W. That's all that mattered. And Ohio State puts it on the board with a great defensive uh, uh, display. Oh, no, Penn State didn't as good as I thought. This is from national people, right, uh, who uh, basically hyped up the fact that uh, Penn State was going to finally get the monkey off their back. Instead, Penn State took a seventh straight loss to Ohio State. And, uh, you know, you can't have it both ways. This was a showdown of Big Ten, of top ten proportions in the Big Ten East, and Ohio State prevailed. That's my, that's still my overwhelming th- thought after Saturday. I think, you know, I've got to talk about the secondary because we talked about the defensive line, the front seven, after the game, and deservedly so because this Ohio State defensive line got after it. 26 pressures, which was the most all year, but it's coverage plus rush, rush plus coverage, whichever you want to say it, they work together. Ryan Day talks about that all the time. Jim Knowles talks about that all the time. And that happened here on Saturday. And I thought those defensive backs played really maybe their best game of the season. Yes, Penn State does not have the best wide receiving core in the Big Ten and nowhere close to the best in the country. But without Denzel Burke, I felt like these cornerbacks did a great job with Jordan Hancock and Jermaine Matthews Jr. stepping up. Davidson Ipinosin played pretty well as well, and the safeties have been great all year. Yeah. And I feel like this secondary, which, you know, a lot has been said about this secondary this year. People have not been buying in nationally, kind of what you're saying, Tim, with this national perception of this Ohio State team. Well, if they're not buying in now, I don't know when they will because this secondary is a real deal, and this entire defense is the real yeah. deal. And everybody wants to rip on Drew Aller, you know, their quarterback, you know, and he even took the blame for a lot of things. I'm just going, number one, he didn't have anybody wide open. And number two, he had pressure. That's a bad combo when you throw the ball, what, 42 times or whatever they did. What, did, what was the stat? How many pressures? 26 pressures. 26 pressures of Penn State quarterback Drew Aller. They walked the Penn State offensive line into the backfield. JT Tuimolo oh my God. a few different times. Um, that's my big He's take- going against an All-American. Supposedly. Yeah. That's my big takeaway is there are two Ohio State players that if maybe Penn State had those two players, 
we would be standing here in a somber funeral horseshoe instead of a funereal funereal good yeah. word tim um we'd be doing the autopsy uh, rather than the celebration of life yeah um jt2 and in the fourth quarter the first play of the fourth quarter demolishes olu olu fashion yeah then with seven minutes to go fourth down midfield jt2 and dominates the left tackle who's supposed to be a top 10 pick yeah and then with three minutes to go fourth and 30 jt2 and dominates a left tackle who is supposed to be a first round first overall pick here's the deal i didn't see paris johnson who was the number six pick last year have that happen to him against anybody last year it didn't matter who he went against it did not happen to yeah. him that did not look like a first round tackle to me and then but it did hold, look like hold a on. first round defensive end on the other side of the ball <laughs> you had a wide receiver who hey what do you like about this matchup this is going to be the best matchup we've got to see this penn state secondary against marvin harrison jr yeah, you had to see it because you had to reevaluate everything. Because Kalen King, first round pick, are you kidding me? Uh, Johnny Dixon, supposed to give a good challenge to this Ohio State offense, are you kidding me? Nobody could cover Marvin Harrison Jr. Noah Mecca Ibuka, no problem whatsoever because Marvin Harrison Jr. did it all himself. 11 catches, a buck 62, and a touchdown. I, those two players made the difference. And that entire 2021 recruiting class that we've been talking about for two or three years now as like, hey, this could be the unit that, that gets them there. Um, you had Tyleek Williams. You had JT Tuimoloa. You had Marvin Harrison Jr. You've got, uh, you know, G. Scott's out there as a tight end. He's the 2020 class. But, like, the point remains, like, that 2021 class is just showing – Jordan Hancock – it's showing just how important that was for the program, and they are leading the way right now. I was just super impressed with all of those guys. Yeah, that class has stepped to the fore, and uh, once again, like you just pointed out, like we were talking about uh, after the draft, remember I brought this up, is how uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> has ruined a lot of guys' mm -hmm. draft videos. And, uh, and the, the one guy he always brings up that Played him extremely well last year. Was a kid from Maryland whose name I Deontay Banks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but you remember, uh, uh, you know, uh, Joey Porter Jr. You know he slipped in the draft after Keely Ringo from uh, from uh, Georgia fell way down in the draft after after they watched him going against uh, trying to go against Marvin Harrison Jr. Yep. And uh, we just we just saw it again right before your eyes. The bottom line is Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of the elite wide receivers to ever come along, and he proved it again on Saturday. There is no player in America, I, Brock Bowers aside, maybe, but I don't even think he does it as well at his position as Marvin Harrison Jr. plays wide receiver. Nobody plays wide receiver better than Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't care what your stupid midseason All-American list look like. And nobody plays their single position, any position on the field, better than that young man Those plays wide receiver. Teams, man, they really look at numbers instead of like looking at effectiveness. And uh, what, what was the one thing Marvin Harrison Jr. said was tops on his list this year about improving? It was yak, right? Mm -hmm. He had some yakety yak on Saturday. I mean, at the biggest of moments, like yeah. coming off the goal line down there and up the sideline on a little drag route. A little, mm -hmm. And then they ran a little mesh play right down here and he cuts in and Carnell Tate gives him a great Actually, Cardinal Tate had two blocks on that play, if you yeah. watch it. And he scores that 19-yard touchdown play, which basically was the uh, nail in the coffin or whatever euphemism you want to use. I mean, that's pretty good yak. Yeah, he's just – what else do you say about him? Well, 
you could say that he should be a Heisman Trophy candidate. <laughs> I think that that's honestly... Suddenly he is again, right? Well, I mean, if that's what the award's supposed to be about, and Kyle McCord said that, look, if it's supposed to be about the best player in college football and not the best quarterback, then, yeah, Marvin Harrison should be in New York City this year, uh, especially from what he's done recently. This was the third straight game Ohio State's targeted him 13 or more times. They're leaning into the fact that he's their best player. They need to. This is not going to be a run-first team. This really shouldn't even be a 50-50 team in terms of run pass balance they know their best player is number 18 they're starting to lean into that and he's proving why they should yeah and i think we're seeing that each week and we each week as uh, i know mecca buka has not been playing recently but marvin harrison jr stands alone in this receiving target share he's up first and the next is Kate over yeah. and then the next you know it drops off but that's the way it'd it be like be. having a great running back and not giving him the ball exactly you know what i mean it's the same <laughs> james franklin it, yeah, it's the same concept, <laughs> yeah. you know, exactly like you're talking about. You don't need to spread it around that much when he's that good. He gets yeah. open that much. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not necessary, and they're not overthinking it right now, which I think is the best thing that this offense has done this season is shift and lean into that. And and and, and, and Cade Stover, I don't, I don't, I, you were probably going to bring him up. I know you have an agenda. Yeah, no, go ahead. I know you By have all means, because I'm going to uh, talk about him too. But Cade Stover, uh, you know, just continues to deliver these these uh these big time pass catches i mean the one the reach over was unbelievable i think i know he has one regret though he has one regret was that late block on the goal line uh when they handed the ball to mayan williams uh caden curry got in there but uh that play was watch, well blocked if you watch the video if you watch the video cage stover is a beat is a beat behind coming mm-hmm. out of his stance and getting to and the guy that makes the tackle blows up the play is the guy he missed yep. Uh, so I know he regrets that, but uh, but other than that, I mean, he has had tremendous games after tremendous games. And, fellas, you know, I know all about Brock Bowers. I think Brock Bowers is going to be a hell of an NFL player because he's so agile for a guy that big and stuff. But Cade Stover has got to be flying up the NFL draft charts. Yeah, and I think he is, Tim. But the problem, the only problem that you could say about Cade Stover is the offensive line was finally getting a push especially on that third down play by Mayan Williams. Yeah. That was blocked up very well. Oh, my God. Everybody Kade, came off the ball. Caden Curry was well, in, was well into the hole. He was going to lead Mayan Williams right into the end zone, and he got hit on the right hip and right. fell down because Kate Silver missed a block. That's a touchdown that you have to have. Oh, yeah. And I don't – I don't want to nitpick Cade Stover's game because he had an incredible game. I think he had 70 receiving yards. I agree. He played really well. But that is a block that you absolutely have to have in a game of that 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 tight. And against Michigan, you're going to have to have it because yards are going to be at a premium. Hold on, hold on a second. I, I thought this Ohio State offensive line. Hold me back. <laughs> I'm going to ha- I'm going to have to because we've got a lot to break down here. Yeah, but I'm I'm with you. I'm you're you're preaching. You're, it's like you're the preacher and I'm in the uh, I'm in the choir here. Uh, that, that offensive line, I thought, played its best game against Penn State. Hallelujah. There are <laughs> I just, I just I there, there are plays, there are plays, Andy, that I thought this offensive line got beat on. And there are individual plays that an offensive line will always get beat on. Like it's it just happens. But yes. there are multiple third and shorts that Ohio State picked up with Mayan Williams, not just because of Mayan Williams, but because there was an actual push. The offensive line was a yard forward instead of a yard backward. Yes. There were times where Donovan Jackson was at the second level um, before the, the running back was there. And I know that sounds very <sighs> elementary when it comes to offensive line play, but we hadn't seen that <laughs> right. at all Amen. from this team. And so, like, they were getting to the second level. Even if one guy misses assignment, you saw the other four 
downfield blocking and run plays, it led to success in the running game early, which I think helped the passing game get going. Um, Mayan Williams ended up with 64 yards, but at one point he had, I think, six carries for 50 yards. That shows you a progression that they can run the ball. And Penn State really stiffened up in the running game as the game went on. You expected that because Penn State's really, really good at stopping the run. But I did think Ohio State showed some really good things in the running game on Saturday. Yeah, it was good when they needed it to be because Kyle McCord had his struggles early, mm -hmm. uh, which has happened at times this season. And yeah, Mayan Williams, I think in the first half, 13 carries, 52 yards. Mm -hmm. He was averaging four yards a pop, which is what they want. That's the goal. And I agree with you. They shifted away. I mean, last I think last week was really the exception of the rule. We saw a lot of gap scheme, more mm -hmm. balance. They shifted back more to being zone first, that wide zone run. And Maya Williams was the bell cow, which was a change. You know, Chip Trainum got the start. He was back. Maya Williams was also back, but he had 24 carries. That's the first time this year that 2022's leading rusher for this team was the bell cow for this team. Mixed results, right? But yes, the offensive line I thought was better and it's a step in the right direction. I still think that you're not going to see this team be a dominant rushing team. No. It's worth seven games in, but they don't need to be. And I thought they were good when they needed to be, which is short yardage situations for the most part. And then in pass protection, they've exceeded my expectations all year. Yes, they've given up sacks here and there, but Spencer pointed out after the game, which I agree with with watching the game back, those two drag routes that Marvin Harrison Jr. ran, one for the touchdown over here and then one back there, when Ohio State was backed up, and it was their first scoring drive at the in the second half with a field goal. Yeah, they started that with Kamakor dropping back, waiting patiently on third and long. Yeah, for for Marvin Harrison Jr. to free up on that drag route, pass the ball to him, he runs yards after the catch, as Tim mentioned. That's only possible if you have an offensive line that's giving you the time and the pocket to do that. They did that on both of those plays. I guess it's highly vaunted, highly. Uh... Highly publicized, uh, you know, two great defensive ends, the best defensive ends they've gone against all year, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. When he needed time, he, he got the time. You're exactly right. I didn't mean to no, jump in there, but right. I'm just going, yeah, I mean, it's you're seeing an offensive line, you know, come of age. And like we just talked about on that third down play, down to goal line when they finally didn't score, remember they ran that stupid uh, wide screen. We'll get into that, you know. I mean, I don't, I, I never like those kind of plays, but, but, Everybody came off the ball. I mean, it reminded me of classic Ohio State offensive lines of your, I guess classic and your are the same thing, uh, where at the snap, it was like one movement. Yeah. Except for one guy, you know, and he was off the ball. You know, Case Tover was not on the ball. He was off, you know, like in a little uh, flanker, kind of like a drop off uh, depth. But the bottom line is they came off the ball great wedge you know and that just shows you down on the on the goal line one guy can one one guy can blow up a play but but i'm with both of you guys i thought this was the offensive lines in many respects based on the opponent's finest hour yeah and here's the or deal whatever it was three hours here's the deal i think michigan has a better better defense overall than penn state i think penn state's defense is very very good and ohio state managed to find 20 points and should have had 27 if you can get that one mayan williams run blocked up that's 27 points on the board for Ohio State. i know game yeah. scripts change based on when you score maybe they don't get to 27 no, but you're but right i mean you, the, the potential was there for more points you left what you're saying you left 10 points on the off on the field here because Jaden Fielding missed the late field goal. Yeah. Um, you left 10 points on, on the field, so you probably should have won this game at least 23 or 26. And let's oh, say I thought you were going to say 31 to, potentially, uh, 31 to 17. Potentially like 30. 
potentially 30 <laughs> points you should have had against a very good defense, and yeah. you blocked it up pretty well, yeah. all things considered. The reason I brought it Michigan is because I don't think Michigan's pass rush is as good as Penn State's pass rush. And we didn't see Chop Robinson in this game, so I will – well, I he got hurt. Yeah, there's a there's the caveat. In is, the game. Is there wasn't a full 60 minutes of Chop Robinson. I think he does make a difference there. I, I, you know, I'd be lying if I said that. But they physically did. got but, after those guys. But the point I'm trying to make here, Tim, is that I think if you can block these ends for Penn State, there's no reason to think that you can't give Kyle McCord enough time to find Marvin Harrison Jr. against Michigan. Yeah. And if you tell me that Will Johnson is a better corner than Kalen King, I might argue with you because I think Kalen King's a really good cornerback. And so, like, the individual pieces of the defense, the best defense they're going to see from here on out is at Michigan. I don't know if it's better than what they just faced against Penn State. And they left points on the field and still won yeah. convincingly against Penn State. So yeah. the, the pieces are there for this offense to be able to move the ball if this offensive line continues to do what it's supposed to do now. They have a big test this week because the front seven at Wisconsin is getting better. Wisconsin's starting to right that ship and looks pretty damn good right now, um, especially in that fourth quarter blitz against Illinois. Yeah. So it's going to be a big challenge for this offensive line this week. But then after that, it's Rutgers, whose front seven is okay. They're feisty. I think people call them salty. I've heard that. But they're not great. There's Michigan State, who I think has completely quit um, this season. And then there's Minnesota, who, okay front seven, but the talent's just not there, and Ohio State's just going to out-talent them for 60 minutes. So after you get through Wisconsin, the next big test is Michigan, and this offensive line is showing the steps needed to compete and beat Wisconsin and then compete against and try to beat Michigan. Yeah, I mean, and the bottom line is when you go on the road in the Big Ten, you go into a place like Camp Randall Stadium, I mean, we're going to hear this all week, but uh, – I think this offensive line is so much better equipped than it was even going going into Notre Dame. I yeah. mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Because, I, like I said, I just saw some precision. I saw some good blocking. Mm -hmm. Josh Fryer, uh, Josh Simmons, the two Joshes, uh, you know, right across the board. And, of course, those three guys in the middle I thought played excellent. Excuse me. Um, but that is definitely going to be the difference. You know, sometimes you're just hasty when you're – when you're a fan of a team or you're covering a team, to see a team be all that from the get-go, you mm -hmm. know? And college football is not about that. It's about the teams that are getting better as the year goes on and the teams that are falling off as the, as the year goes on. And I think you're seeing an Ohio State offensive line, which is coming on and has talent. Now, my only question right now is I don't know the severity yet of uh, Devin Brown's ankle situation. No. But – Fellas, Tristan Jebbia, I'm gonna write about this this week. Tristan Jebbia is, I think, the backup quarterback now, right? All of a I mean, sudden, and uh, so then you're looking at, you know, now you got to take all those kind of things into consideration, and uh, it's going to be an interesting last uh, month and a half of the season. Absolutely. Uh, I want to visit the, the couple moments in this game where things could have changed drastically. First, we start with the almost scoop and score by Penn State, the 60-yard scoop and score. Well, he did scoop back. and score. Well, yeah, he did, but, but. it was called back because yeah. of the defensive holding on, of course, Marvin Harrison Jr. And if that play didn't happen, Ryan Dez said, said this after the game, this would be a completely different game. And I agree with him. Because well, Penn State would have had more points. Well, that's for <laughs> one. But they would have gone up 10-3, to yeah. and Ohio State would have been searching for answers offensively. Kyle McCord also on that drive almost threw an interception. And when you look at that, you know, 
fumbling the ball has been a problem for him all year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's had only one interception this season, but he could have had four or five by this point. He's been great in a lot of ways. He actually leads the Big Ten in passing, which I feel like no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that he's like bottom five, yeah. the way people talk about him. Oh, man. Listen, he's been so much better guys, yeah. than what people say he is. But he has made some of these turnover-worthy plays. That was one of them where the ball gets poked out by Curtis Jacobs, the Penn State linebacker. He covers it up and goes the other way for six. Uh, the other moment, too, I th- we can get launched into this now, is that going for it on fourth and two when they could have taken the field goal, Tim and I, we agreed in the press box they should have taken the field goal. Points, I know, man. Spencer, you wanted the, the touchdown there, and, and I, know, I think Ryan Day wanted it, too. Afterwards, he said, you know, we got to get those two yards. Yep. So those are two moments that really could have changed the game. The defense bailed them out on the second time because after the muff punt, JT and company delivered. So yeah. those are yeah. the moments I just want to talk about. For you guys. All right, hold on, Tim. I'm going to set you up, and I want the, the audience watching to know. What if Tim I and I. What if I will? Tim and I <laughs> do not hate each other. I pinky promise. We. Nobody helps the other guy take busted up concrete to the dump, and hates that guy. <laughs> so we're going to preface this entire conversation. And that's a true story. We're prefacing this entire conversation. We're about to launch into. Because it is a launch on that uh, notion that Tim and I do not hate each other. But Tim, you are so darn wrong when it comes to the fourth and two on the goal line. Because here's why. You are in a game in which your defense, sorry, has kicked Penn State's ass. Time and time again. And here is what worked out perfectly, perfectly for Ryan Day. You are going to make a quarterback who has defecated in his pants already, proverbially, who looked scared the entire game to drive 98 yards to take the lead. (laughs) Yeah, to take the lead on your defense, which was not going to happen. Penn State did not sniff the end zone until 49 seconds to go in this game. You go for the touchdown because then it puts you up two scores rather than just up a touchdown. And if you don't get it, you know your defense is going to, to stand up and do great things, and then you get the ball back at the 50-yard line. They would have gotten the ball back at the 50-yard line if Jaden Ballard had said anything back there other than just pointing at the ball, and it hits Lorenzo Stiles' yeah, foot. what happened? That situation worked out perfectly, exactly how Ryan Day wanted it to. You either get the two yards or you send your defense out there and get the ball at the 50. It was the it was so well executed on I every it was, Julian Fleming. it was Lorenzo Styles oh, Jr. It was perfectly executed oh, that's right. they were the on every level <laughs> until it hit Lorenzo Styles' foot. Yeah. And you blame that on special teams um, discipline is what I do. I, I know it was just a simple mistake. That is a fluke play, but it's also got to do a lot with discipline on special teams, which this team doesn't have. And so it was perfectly executed, in my opinion, by Ryan Day to go for that fourth and two because you knew what you knew that you were going to get the stop. Now I will hear an argument, Tim, I just on got, why you take the field goal because because they weren't they your defense was having a damn good day. Your defense was having a damn good day, and anytime you can stack points, you stack points on third and goal at the what one yard line. They you know they got stuff for a minus one. The previous play. Yep. You stack points in games like that, just like at Notre Dame. Not kicking those field goals came back to haunt them. They finally did pull it out with a tremendous drive that included a fourth down conversion and one of the great third down passes uh, in Ohio State football history. 
the bottom line is you stack points when you can stack points in games where it is a defensive slugfest. And that's exactly what that was. There were, you know, they came out of that with no offensive momentum whatsoever. In fact, they came out of it like, oh gosh, there's that problem again. Because, you know, what play did they pull out of their back pocket for that fourth down? Go for it. I like that play. Oh, you kidding me? I like not it. against a fast defense. You you telegraph it. Number one, you telegraph what's coming. I would like that. I would have liked a fake there and throw back to well, somebody on the backside over here. They're setting up for a slant. That's. Uh, that's off of that. They're definitely setting up for a slant fourth, off of on that. Fourth and, on fourth and two at the goal line, you're not setting up for a slant. No. I'm, That's your play. For later. I'm saying if you get that touchdown. Well, I don't okay. think you use that play to set up anything. You use that play to score a touchdown or you kick the field goal. That's my only gripe. I mean, I think that's a legit gripe because it comes back to haunt you. Fellas, when, when Pitt State was kicking an onside kick with 25 seconds left, they were it was a one-score game, not a two-score game. It was a one-score game, but they got they got to the twelve only because of the situation. They, there was no. It doesn't matter. They were not. You don't understand. They they still got there. You stack points in a game like that. They, whenever you get the chance to stack points, that's my opinion. The Notre Dame game is a great example of now you're in jeopardy at the end of the game, and most of it is because of your own making. Uh, you stack points. You've got. It was in this end zone, right? Yeah. Which one? They were trying to get into this end zone, right? No, Cornell no, Tate. Was no, it down no, there? Down there. That's allowed. That's the loud side of the field. Is I it? like that. You you put Drew Aller at the two yard line if you don't get that that touchdown, and no. and you get the ball at the fifty yard line back again. Except they they muffed it. Well, okay. Your thoughts I mean, on this situation? <laughs> because I want to know if maybe I'm just stupid, no. or if the analytics line up with what the I was analytics saying. Analytics are stupid. You kick <laughs> the field goal. You get the points. You kick off to into the end zone. They got the ball at the twenty five yard line, and they're doing squat offensively. Thanks, thanks Woody. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's stupid in this situation. It's just people are going to agree with Spencer's. People are going to agree with Tim. I, I would go on for the field goal because I think anytime you get a chance to go up a touchdown yes. in a game like that, you do it because they were only up 10-6. to 6. You go up 13-6, to 6, 13 and you can make 6. the same argument if you trust your defense that much. Well, then kick the field goal and trust your defense to get you the ball back again and then increase that lead. So that's where my perspective is, and if you're going to go for it, Again, don't overthink it. Like, they did a good job of most of the game. Throw up to 18. At yeah. least he might draw a holding, pass interference. Yeah. And he's probably got a 50-50 shot at bringing down the catch rather than something cute to Carnell Tate horizontally. I don't know. Before that, the timeout. horizontal. I mean, the horizontal be- stuff. But before the timeout, before the timeout, Great. before the timeout on fourth and goal, Kyle McCord took the snap because Ryan Day called a timeout as the snap was happening. He took the snap and took two steps back and was like this. Yeah. They were going to go goal line fade to Marvin Harrison Jr., in which case I would have leaped out of the press box onto Ryan Day's back and had to fight him. Because that is a fade route either. That the goal line fade. Cop out call. The goal line fade is a truly in my opinion, I I hate the goal line fade. Um, and so uh, I wouldn't have actually left out of the press box. I would have died. Um, I hate the. I hate. I hate. I, see, I, I, you got. You got. Like you just pointed out, you got Cade Stover out there. You've got Marvin Harrison Jr. out there. You got Carnell Tate. You've got Mayan Williams, yeah. who was getting two Mayan yards. Wh- yeah. But not dude, on you missed not one on block. the play previously. But you only did it because you missed a block. But the point trust is, your guys play, to make the block on the next play. That play puts you in more jeopardy than the previous play. Yeah. Because now it's third, fourth and two instead of fourth and one. And uh, the wide screen, I hate the wide screen. I think I, I, I'm not a fan. I have, have never been a fan of it. I think it works occasionally, but it doesn't work enough for you to for that to be your call there. I'm, you know, you know how much I've 
respect Ryan Day and what yeah. he does. I did not like that call. Well, I didn't like that decision. And that's that's the fun part of this is I thought Ryan Day, for a defensive battle, I thought Ryan Day was in his bag on Saturday. Um, Tim, that means he was really good. Um, I understand what that means. <laughs> okay. Uh, he... Uh, he schemed it up really well for Marvin Harrison Jr. He schemed up plays to get the ball out of Kyle McCord's hands. Even the the slant routes that Kyle McCord missed on because he was, I think, just a little jittery from this rocking atmosphere. Um, what have I said before? I've said that sometimes you have too many plays I thought, at your disposal when, in fact, the basic stuff works better if you just work on the – I mean – hone in on that and or he kicked the field goal ryan day really likes that uh leak out with kate stover when they run marvin harrison jr he he loves that play it's getting guys open he loves the play where he leaks marvin harrison jr behind julian fleming running the four verts how about when they leaked marvin harrison jr out that's what i said yeah (laughs) and nobody runs with him are you kidding me so like i thought ryan day was one of those guys that left him off the all-america team even even the running plays i thought ryan day schemed it up Really, really well, and he had a tall order against Manny Diaz. You remember, you remember when Chip Trainum left the game? They had a little play inside, had a little running play, and Chip Trainum went in there and just kind of like gave up on the run, and kind of like balled up and gave up on the run, and they pull him out immediately. And Ryan Day had words with him when he came to the sideline, like you know, because the cut, the little cut inside was there. Yeah, I mean for five, maybe more than that, and you really didn't see much of him. The rest of the day, it was a Mayan Williams show for the most part. And it was, I mean, Ryan Day wants to run the ball. But I mean, he definitely wants people need to understand that he knows how important it is. I just thought that he was. It was a very well-designed game plan. I thought they 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 did a lot of things that they should have done. Um, I didn't think. I thought it was smart not to go to that orbit motion, not to go to all of those motions, but rather to go with the whole formational shifts to see what Penn State was in, because Purdue's an undisciplined defense that plays man-to-man no matter what. The orbit motions were going to get them running every which way. Penn State's way more disciplined than you that. Like, you like that. I thought it was you smart. You like that term, though, don't you? Orbit? That's that what's, orbit thing. I mean, that's what it's called. I know, but <laughs> orbit means you go all the way around. <laughs> Half orbit, then. But yeah, there you go. I, I thought the game plan was just really well-designed and partially well-executed, Andy. Yeah, I thought also Manny Diaz did a pretty good job. Yeah, oh, yeah. Honestly. Hell, yeah, man. Uh, he's was a damn good defense. He's probably going to end up as a head coach next season somewhere. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought. Again, that, yeah. Right, yeah, part two. Part three, if you count the temples. Yeah, um, again and again. But, yeah, I thought the game plan by Ryan Day was, was pretty well-executed. I think that, you know, watching the game back, you look at some of those common court throws were just a little off, especially mm-hmm. that first drive. They could have had seven points. You know, the first one just wide of Myron Harrison Jr. Yeah. on that screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The next one, it's just a little bit, as, as you put it, Tim, just not quite on the back shoulder enough yeah. of Carnell Tate. But smart thinking to throw it high. He was up against Daquan Hardy, five foot nine. Carnell Tate, 6'2", trying to get up, up high. Oh, yeah. Great so not, matchup. Not totally bad. Um, and then, you know, misses Julian Fleming on a, on a slant there and, and, you know, just misplaces that ball too. So, I also noticed that at times, Kyle McCord, like this was brought up last week, he, he drifts away as he throws. Not all yeah, the time. Falling back. He's he's almost fading away like a, a basketball player shooting back a jump foot. shot. Yeah. Fade away. Like sometimes it's because pressure is there. And Ryan Day said, like, yeah, sometimes you need to do that to get the ball off at the right angle. But sometimes it feels unnecessary. And it felt like that. You could sometimes. fall into that. And I, I just trap. wonder because he's had that ankle taped up. You know, he saw the ice on it after yeah. the Notre Dame game. Yeah. I wonder how much of that affects it. But it's not all the time. So, I mean, I wonder about that. But I do think he has all those throws in his arsenal. We see it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's so exciting if you're a fan of this team. 
Kyle McCord can make every throw in the book. He's shown that he can. And it's just a matter of putting it all together. This time he started off 5-5 five and five and then missed passes. Other yeah. times we've seen him miss passes and then get hot. It's a matter of having a complete game from Kyle McCord, which they're going to need against Michigan. Yeah, I, I, he reminds me He reminds me of a starting pitcher. Uh, you watch, you know, and, and the guy is either he's throwing strikes at the beginning of the game or he's not, but you stay with him because you know he can find the strike zone eventually, which is what he did, which is what he did at Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right on down there, several games this year where he's just been slow out of the gate or he's been pretty good out of the gate and then falls off, but he always comes back. The thing you don't want, you don't want that leading you to always having to be sharp at the end of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's that little fine line you go, uh, you you run there, but but it is amazing when he gets on, he's really on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, that's what stayed because he and I talked about that in a video several weeks ago on my podcast. It's just you got to throw strikes, man. Uh, but it's more important to throw strikes in the clutch than any other time of the game. But boy, if he'd have been throwing strikes from the get-go all the way through the first half on Saturday, that would have been a different football game. Yeah. Agreed? Yeah, I think I mean, the plays were there. I thought Ryan Day and his staff did a great job of getting matchups that they wanted. It would have looked like, I think, the, the, the Wisconsin game from 2019, which is actually what this game reminded me of. Uh, Ohio State won that game 38-7 yeah. because it finished drives. Ohio State won this game 20-12. to and. Yeah. I know it was garbage time. You can't take it off the board, but in all reality, like that was a twenty to six game that turned into twenty to twelve. But you're right. There were it, at least six points they left out there. Yeah, yeah. and Ohio State in that 2019 Wisconsin game finished drives, and at the end of the game, if you remember, Chase Young and Baron Browning had a meeting at the quarterback on every play yeah. because they were just pitting their ears back. In this game, at the end of the game, Ohio State leaving points on the board just got after Drew Aller in the fourth quarter and didn't let him do anything. They were very reminiscent of each other. I thought. Um, I, I know we've got to wrap up, but but I mean I'm coming up, but I wanted to interject this, like as you because you brought that up in my mind again. We all, I, I thought, I think we all thought this could be a pretty good defensive front. Ohio State mm -hmm. could get eventually come into its own. I think it has come into its own. Oh yeah. I mean they're finding their stride because man, when you've got like you said, when you bring up the pressures, that changes everything. That makes mm -hmm. your secondary look so much better. Makes your freshman starting his first game, Jermaine Matthews. I mean. He had a hell of a game. He did. Uh, he did. And but then on top of it, when when you've got a quarterback, a frantic quarterback, trying to throw the ball, mm -hmm. when there's not much of a window to throw it in, and he's being harassed by JT Tuimola and company. Jack Sawyer, I think, played a hell of a game on Saturday. Jack was very underrated. He yes. did a very nice job on Saturday. I will say and, that uh, too. Kenyatta Jackson finally kind of came out of his shell, in my opinion. I thought you know he delivered. It was funny because. Uh, maybe I didn't see the stats right because uh, I wrote about JT Tuimoa after the game, but he got credit for one sack. He but got credited for he, one tackle. What yeah, that was and weird. I'm going, <laughs> one tackle, and I'm going, I've never seen a guy dominate a game and have that little yeah. bit of a stat. Of course, he did have the pass breakup. Right. Is that a PBU? Or no, no, on the the one where he hit yeah. hours, that yeah. was a fumble. Okay. It was no clear, uh, no clear the ball recovery. Went forward, but not the, but not because of Drew Aller. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> I a, agree with you. That, that was a have fumble. Been reviewed. It, no, well, there was no clear recovery, so it didn't matter. And oh, it was that's on, a good point. And it was on fourth down. Yeah. But yeah. Here, here's the weird thing: that's if, a good point. if Penn State would have picked that ball up, would have first down Penn State. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but was it a fumble? It you was. Know? No, it it, it looked to me like a fumble. It it 100% was a fumble. Yeah. Uh, Andy, 
But it went like 20 or 15 yards down the field, too. Uh, Tim's on a race here. He's got to get out of here, so we're going to wrap up. Uh, well, closing. Tell everybody my business, man. Closing yeah. thought. Well, it's, it's for the Tim May Show, and everybody needs to go watch the Tim May Show. We can yeah, plug I got, that. There I you got go. Matt Wilhelm coming on again, man. He, I, I love having him on there because he breaks it down, baby. Closing thoughts, Andy, from Ohio State uh, 20, Penn State 12. Martin Harrison Jr. is the best player in the country right now. Should be a Heisman Trophy candidate, but might not be because of the nature of the award nowadays. Uh, I don't know. We'll nature see. of the award these days is they kind of are looking for that anti-quarterback. Well, then maybe he will be. He yeah. should be. Michael that's, Penix, that's, that's you know, did not have a great day, you know. Well, my point is he should be. Uh, other thing that we didn't talk about that we can talk about maybe later in the week, Dallin Hayden, we didn't see him. I don't know why. I, I, I don't understand it at this We've point. We've got to talk about the running back. Rota- we got, we, 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 we got we'll to get, get into We'll that. get to it. I, I'm, I'm just I'm, mentioning things we I'm get confused. into this week as yeah. we finish off. I'm going to give you closing thoughts, I promise. Yes. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, special teams we will continue to talk about because they've continued to be underwhelming. Uh, there were good moments. Jesse Murko's 72-yard punt was underrated. Uh, that was from the Ohio State 4 to the Penn State 24. He almost stepped out of bounds. I mean, he was so close. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that that happened, that flipped the field. Yeah. And yeah. if he didn't, who knows? So As I, as I tweeted, there's nothing like hitting drives on firm fairways in the fall, man. And then uh, I think my final takeaway is just that I hope that people finally take this defense seriously from a national standpoint. I mean, some of the anonymous quotes we saw from coaches and some of the, just the, the media takes leading up to the Penn State game, it was like, guys, do your homework. Like, have you really watched? No, like, they don't. They follow like, each other's lead. Right, but it was like, how is the secondary average before Saturday? It wasn't. And you certainly can't say it is now. And I think, you know, as much as we should talk about the defensive line, the secondary, Josh Proctor, I don't think should be doubted at this point. Uh, Jordan Hancock shouldn't be doubted at this point. Denzel Burke, all of those guys have deserved respect nationally. And I think that that, I think, is, is my big takeaway. From yeah, this and, and a name you left out of that, because you, you can't name everybody, Lathan Ransom is playing yeah. extremely at a high, at an extreme level. Uh, uh, before I throw so, it to you on your final takeaway, Tim. So. On the elevator uh, up to the stadium. Uh, so it. On the, right. on the elevator up to the stadium before the game, I saw a couple guys from the Thorpe. I thought you were going to say saw, you saw Lathan Ransom. No, I saw, <laughs> I saw a couple guys from the Thorpe Award. Uh, with the Thorpe Ward jackets Yeah, I saw on. those jackets. And I said, uh, man, it's a bummer you guys don't get to watch Denzel today. I think he's playing at, at a level that deserves recognition by you guys. He goes, yeah. He said, uh, but we get to watch those safeties. He said, we get to see Proctor and we get to see Lathan Ransom. They're taking notice is what I'm saying. The voters of the award might not, but the people who run the award are taking notice of the secondary. So final thoughts, Tim. And I, I think that award is HQ'd in Oklahoma. It, it is. Yeah. And where is Josh Proctor from? Owasso, well, he played at Owasso, but as he'll tell you, from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I'm telling you, that's my, my closing thought because uh, Andy Anders hit all the high points. Josh Proctor, fellas, is playing like I expected him to play when he first showed up here and was this ballyhooed, big-time recruit, went through all kinds of uh, trials and tribulations. I'm telling you, you turn on the video and just watch 41 from Saturday's game. I challenge you to do that and just watch how involved he is from behind the line of scrimmage to, to way back here, uh, how just in, in tune and into the game this guy was. Perry Eliano and Tim Walton have done a hell of a job with this secondary. They certainly have. Uh, in one year's time. And Josh Proctor is a great example 
of where the, of of where this defense has gotten to, and it always helps when, boy when those guys up front are creating havoc, and that's exactly what they did. Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall never quit on Saturday. Uh, there was that one penalty against what Tyleek Williams for a face mask or whatever. Roughing the passer. Yeah, roughing the passer. Well, it was probably legit. He did probably you know, but it was probably two steps after he threw it. Yeah. Yeah, but he it, it wasn't like he mauled him. But my point is. Uh, these guys, this defense is so much better than it was this time a year ago because you could see all the cracks in it this mm -hmm. time a year ago, but they were getting by, you mm -hmm. know. Now they're making plays. Yeah. And uh, and you see guys playing at high, smart levels. You're seeing guys, for the most part, not miss tackles. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about even in the secondary. Uh, it's, a, it's a different unit. Yeah, I thought the one play that stands out to me. I about... got all serious there, but the one... I think it's remarkable. The one play that stands out to me about missed tackles is Josh Proctor missed the tackle on Theo Johnson uh, on I think a third and seven or third and eight, and immediately there to tackle a 240, 250-pound tight end uh, when Josh Proctor missed the tackle is little tiny Jermaine Matthews yes. wrapping up this massive man yeah, and bringing him to the turf, and so he didn't get the first down. This team that guy's gonna be good. Penn State was one of 16 on third down. They were 0 of 15 until that very final uh, third down they faced as impressive of an outing as you're going to get from the defense. These guys is closing. These guys both had closing thoughts on the defense. I'm going to go to the offense. Kyle McCord. Wait a minute. Don't, that wasn't your closing thought? No. Okay. Kyle, uh, my closing thought is on the offense. Kyle McCord did not have his best stuff on Saturday. He missed some throws. He was not on time with a couple of different guys. He was also without Emeka Ibuka, however, and he also was trying to find Marvin Harrison Jr. at every turn, and that's probably smart of him. On one of his not great days, he had 63% completions and 260 yards. Yeah. 286, right? Yeah. 286. So yeah. 63 That's completions. 63% completion and 286 yards on maybe one of his worst performances uh, since the Notre Dame game. So in those three that he's had, I, I cannot be more impressed with his progression. And I know that that's going to hit a couple of people's ears probably in the comments a little incorrectly, and they're not going to like that um, because. He's not C.J. Stroud, and he's not Justin Fields, and he's not even J.T. Barrett or Braxton Miller in a way of, like, this offense is going to score 45 points with him. But he's Kyle McCord. And we talked all preseason, and he talked about creating your own path and being your own quarterback and living in a world where you have to be a first-round pick and a Heisman Trophy candidate but carving your own way. He is doing that right now in his own way. He's winning games and guiding this team down the field in his own way, and sometimes it doesn't look pretty. But 286 yards and 63% completions against a Penn State defense that was number one in the country is pretty damn good. And he's going to have to get better in the next five weeks if they're going to beat Michigan and get to their goals and win a national championship. But if, if you told me that he did get better and they did do those things, I would believe you because the progressions he's made already have been pretty impressive. And, yeah. and that's where I kind of leave this video. It's like you don't have to think Kyle McCord's going to be a first-round pick to appreciate what the offense is doing. And I think there's a little bit of like the beauty and the struggle of like the progression of this team. This isn't the plug and play 40 points a game, but it's a new Ohio State offense that I think is, is cool to watch progress through this season. Yeah, and here's the bottom line. Against Notre Dame, against against Penn State, when the offense had to make a play or plays, it made them. Yep. When the defense had to make a play or plays, it made them. Like getting the ball back from Notre Dame uh, up there so that the, you could have the miracle on uh, – uh, what's the name of that street that goes? I have no matter. clue. Miracle on Rockney Street, uh, Rockney Road. <laughs> That's ice cream in it. Uh, that 
that's a sign of a pretty damn good football team that's mm -hmm. getting better. Yep. But when it needed to make plays, just like in 2002, for example, it made plays. And uh, yeah, the big one, absolutely the big one is coming. A major challenge is coming this week at Wisconsin. And the big one is coming at the end of the year. But this team is getting better. What, what more can you say about a football team at this point in the season? Yeah, Ohio State, big challenge this week, heading up to Madison. The Letterman Road crew is hitting the road and heading to Madison alongside the Buckeyes. Well, they're going to fly. We're going to drive. Uh, we're going to be in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday and Wednesday, Tuesday for Ryan Day and Jim Knowles as their press conference. Uh, the weekly press conference, it'll be streamed live on LettermanRoad.com. We're going to have a Wednesday uh, video breakdown after we talk to players, maybe a couple assistants, depending on uh, what Ohio State um, provides for the media. But there's a lot of coverage, all that to say, a lot of coverage coming at LettermanRoad.com. Go get that coverage, $1 for a month, and we'll talk about pricing after that. That's where Tim May resides with his content. That's where Andy Backstrom is with his content, me as well. Matt Parker on the recruiting side and Alex Gleitman. Big Buckeyes recruiting weekend was just uh, here. Go get all of that coverage at LettermanRoad.com, and we will see you in the woody on Tuesday for Ryan Day's press conference. Until then, we're going to go get to work.